Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. We are going to continue in our study today of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. One of my favorite, 1 Corinthians is a good book, They're all, it's all a good book, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is one that we studied quite extensively when I was a new believer. There's a book, old book, by Donald G., I think it's Donald G., called Concerning Spiritual Gifts, and it talks about this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it delves into the individual spiritual gifts and how they work and how they are to flow in a service. So we're going to turn, into, turn to that today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you're in the Red Bible, 990 is the page. And we're going to go ahead and start with verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idiots. I like that. Actually, it says dumb idiots. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is the Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are various gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration, administrations, but the same Lord. There are various oper operations, but it's the same God who operates all of them in all people. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the common good. To one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. But that one is very, and, but that one and very same spirit works all these. Dividing to each one individually as he will. Now, let's go through here and let's look at these things. <clears throat> Now concerning spiritual gifts. Now he kind of spanks them a little bit because that's what Paul is doing in this letter. He's dealing with things that are going wrong in the church and he is trying to set them straight. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorant. You ever think about that word? We always tell our. We always, when I was growing up, we were. I was told my. We always told us. You know, our brothers told me. Told me, and we told her, stop being an ignorant jerk. What does that mean? 
Stop being ignorant. Ignorance is something that um, we used to say, stop being, stop being ignorant, stupid. And say that, you know. But uh, being ignorant is something that in concerning of this is somebody that does not understand or know the true meaning of the spiritual gifts. That's, that's kind of um, a problem for the first century church because they should have understood the meanings and the, and the way the spirit worked in the first century church. The first century church was pretty much Pentecostal, right? They, were, they should have understood how the spirit worked. A lot of these leaders of these churches were among the 120 that were filled in the upper room. So they should have understood a little bit about what the Spirit says. And he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know you were Gentiles carried away but to, to these dumb, oh, excuse me, idols, not idiots, idols. I don't know why. <laughs> idols, not idiots, idols. Carried away to these dumb idols. I thought that said idiots. <laughs> well, where's my mind at? Anyway, dumb idols, however you were led, right? They were led away <clears throat> by idols. Now, here's, here's a question that I think we should ask, and I don't know the answer to it because this is just a question. The lack, of the lack of understanding of the ignorance of the disciples and the church people, did that bring about an idol worship of the moving of the Spirit? The tongues being fruit of the uh, idol. Did, 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 did they worship the tongues? Did they worship the gifts? This dumb idol. Was that an idol, the spiritual gifts? I think maybe it was. Therefore, I make known to you that no, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. So <clears throat> that must have been happening. You ever, you ever see um, these things that are on, you know, they have... Um, Things in cars and stuff, they have these warnings, don't do this, don't do that. Do you know why they're there? Because somebody tried it. That's why they're there. You know that warning in a car, don't put, the, don't put your baby in the car seat and in the trunk? That's why it's there, because somebody tried it, right? So, somebody tried, somebody was saying, Jesus is cursed, So he's saying if this person is saying that, they are not of God. They're not speaking by the Spirit of God. So that's a warning, like the one on the car. That's a warning. If somebody says that, they're not living by the Spirit of God, right? And he goes on, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a Christian to say it, but when we do realize that and we do mean it, we realize that it is coming from a place where God is leading us to, to say that or God is leading us to believe that. 
And a lot of times people say that in times of distress, when things happen. Well, you know, God is in control. You know, when, when, we, were, when we were going through some things sometimes, we, people say that. God is in control. Jesus is Lord. Those are things that are brought about by distress. People that are um, saying it flippantly, are they saying it flippantly because it's the thing to say? I've, I've been around people that say one thing and talk one way, and then I come around and it all changes. Yeah. And they use the jargon, you know. God helps those who help themselves, you know. Those kinds of things. Is that really the Spirit of God moving? Or is that somebody trying to not sound so, um, what I want to say, not trying to sound so worldly, but to sound more like a Christian? But understand, it's all about the heart, isn't it? Why are they saying what they're saying? Why do we say what we say? Why do we do what we do? And then he goes on and he says, there are various gifts, but the same spirit. So he wants to bring this to a point because he's naming off all of these gifts because he wants to understand there's not different gods for these gifts. Because we're, we're looking at here we're looking at things of like what we call Islam now and Hinduism now. There's a God for everything. There's a God of fire, there's a God of water, there's a God of earth, there's a God of whatever. There's a God of, I don't know, food, clothing. You know, there's a lot of things. He says there's a lot of gifts with the same spirit. In other words, everything that you see you, you, that he's going to name comes from the same place. He says there are differences in administrations, but the same Lord. See, he's bringing it down to the wire here. <clears throat> there are various operations, but it is the same God who operates all of them in all people. Notice how he says the three parts of the Trinity. The Spirit, the Lord, and God. They're one, all coming from the same place. All these things come to the same place. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He says... <clears throat> But the manifestations of the Spirit are as given to everyone for the common good. So, why do we have, how many people have been in a, in a, in a, into a Pentecostal service before? Where there's been speaking in tongues and interpretations and manifestations of healings and things like that. Has anybody ever been in a situation like that? We have, I have, Amy has, the boys have. And it's a very powerful thing if it's done by the Lord. But I've been in situations where it was brought out by the Lord and I've been in situations where it's been fleshly and there's a distinct difference. There's a distinct difference. I can remember times when people were hushed so somebody else can get their 
prophecy in. I've been in situations where there's been speaking in tongues and no interpretation. I've been in situations where there's been more than three. And the Bible specifically says no more than three tongues and interpretations. So I've been in all these situations. And I've been in situations where it's done correctly. And there is a distinct difference because God is moving in those areas. There was a time when we were in a church and all this stuff was happening. And I began to wonder if we needed to even be there because I didn't feel it was of God. Because it was distinctly against the scripture. It wasn't for the common good. When somebody says to you or to somebody else, sit down, I've got something to say. When the Lord's leading you to do something, that's not, a, that's not for the common good. That's for the edification of the one, not the many. The gifts are given to, the, to everyone for the common good. To use, to, to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. What is the word of wisdom? Okay, there's two things. A word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. What's the difference? There is a difference, a very slight difference, but there is a difference. A word of wisdom is something that is spoken into a situation. Maybe someone's going through something and somebody driven by the Lord or, or led by the Lord speaks wisdom into that situation or maybe some guidance into that situation. It's a word of wisdom. A word of knowledge is something a little bit different. Same kind of thing, wisdom, but it is something that they, that someone, that the Lord reveals to someone that this person didn't tell them. That's the word of knowledge. Somebody comes up to us and says, one of us and says, I know you're going through such and such. Trust God and he'll see you through. And you didn't talk to them about it. You don't, they don't know nothing about it, but God revealed it to them. That's a word of knowledge. They know your situation only by God. To another, a word of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. How many of us here have faith? Show of hands, faith or just a nod, faith, right? There is a distinct gift of supernatural faith. We're all, we're all given a, a measure of faith to believe, right? So in that respect, we're all given a measure of faith to believe that Jesus Christ came and died for us and we, we're born again believers. That's the measure of faith we're given. But there is a supernatural faith that some are given. I can remember a story <clears throat> that Pastor Steffi told years and years ago. It was when he was a pastor or staff pastor, I think. Or no, he was not even a staff pastor. He was going to a church in Indiana. And he was newly saved or been there for a while. And there was a guy there that had supernatural faith. He was special needs. But I, they remember he, he, the way he tells the story they were going to have a church picnic, and it was an outside picnic. This would be outside, 
And they went out to go outside and it started raining. Clouds covered and it started raining. Well, this gentleman's name was Louis. Louis's not alive anymore, so it doesn't matter. I can say his name. And the pastor said, well, we're going to have to cancel the, the, the thing and we're not going to be able to do it. And Louis went up to the pastor and said, why don't you just go out there and rebuke it? And they kind of chuckled and said, well, that's not, you know, that's, you know. We, so Louis, by faith, went out there and stood out there in the middle of the yard and, and looked up at the sky and said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And the clouds parted and the sun came out and the rain stopped. Supernatural faith. Remember Pastor Steffi said everyone's mouth and jaws were wide open because his faith stopped the rain. Supernatural faith. Amen? That is a gift given to individuals. And then he goes on and he says, to another, gifts of healings. We were a family who had a healing in our family. God did it, not us. We've told this story, I think we, maybe we've all heard about Zeke's story about uh, his heart condition he was born with. Two arteries out of one side of his heart, none on the other. The doctors told us we have... We had ultrasound proof. Doctors told us he'd have to have heart surgery when he was older because to fix it because the way it was wrapped around, it was, you know, as his heart grew, it would stop that artery and he would have a heart attack and die. And so what happened there was we prayed. We said, well, we're going to go back to our church. We were supposed to go back in so many weeks for a follow-up to do another ultrasound just to see. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. Every single time there was prayer call for prayer, we brought him up there, and we prayed over him, and we asked God to heal him and God to touch him. You know what happened? We went back for that second appointment. One artery here, one artery here. No more two on this side, none on this side. God fixed it. That's healings, and that's documented, Right? A lot of people say, well, God healed me. Well, where's the proof? We see a lot of those um, faith healers, right, on TV. Walk on. I remember there was a ministry that would hold way big things, and people would come up. He, he would touch them, and they'd fall out. And he'd touch them, and they'd fall out. So claim to be healed. So many times there was no real healings. It was all, they were overcome with emotion or something or or just the excitement of being there and they would pass out and, and they would give glory to God for a healing that never really took place. It was never documented. This was documented. Healings do take place. Healings do take place. There's a gift of healing. There was a guy, I remember Ben Stone in Living Hope told this story. They were in um, India somewhere about three, four years ago. And he was going, he was going from the meeting to the car, from what, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what he was telling me. And they went up to him and the interpreter said that there was a man there that was laying down and he couldn't walk. And he said, all I said to my, he goes, I looked at him and said, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. And he said, the guy got up and walked, 
went home and walked, walked home. True healings. Now, how does this work? Well, let's, let's, look at, let's look at these for a moment. We said there is a, <clears throat> for one, there is a gift of faith and a gift of healing. We have to have a supernatural gift of faith in order to experience the supernatural gift of healing, right? They'll go hand in hand. The supernatural faith works in all situations. But if you're looking at healing and faith, you've got to have both gifts in order for the other ones to work. Does that make sense? You're not going to have, God's not going to touch anybody by our word of saying, get up and walk, if we don't believe it. It says in the scripture that Jesus had to go away from a place because their unbelief kept him from doing miracles. Remember that story? He's not going to work if we don't believe. He's not going to show us if we don't believe. He goes on and he says, to another the working of miracles. The working of miracles. Same kind of thing. Healings, faith, the working in miracles. All go hand in hand. Zeke's story was a, gift, was a gift of healing. It was a miracle, and it all came by faith. Amen? And then he goes on and he says, to another prophecy. Prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. These go hand in hand. Discerning of spirits and prophecy goes hand in hand. How do we know? We know from the 2020 election, don't we? And all the year prior to that, how many prophets stood up and said, well, Donald Trump's going to be president for a second term? How many times? Is he a president? Does he have a second term? Nope. How many people said, well, he'll come in by November? November's come and gone. Is he president? Nope. He'll come in by April of that year, of 2021. Is he, is he president? Nope. So discerning of spirits and prophecy have to go hand in hand. Now, let me give you a little lesson in discerning of spirits if, and prophecy for that matter. If somebody gives you a prophecy, see if it comes to pass. Especially if they tell you by a certain time. See if it comes to pass. If it doesn't, that's discerning of spirits, you see? Just testing it out. You look in the scripture. What does it say about prophets that their things didn't come true? Their prophecies didn't come true? What, how, how did they deal with them in the Old Testament? They took them out and killed them. They took them out and killed them. Why did they kill them? Because that's a false prophet. You can steer them away from the true word of God. That's why God did all those things in the Old Testament. You know, he said, go and kill a whole race, all the men, women, and children, and the livestock. Why? Because you, you just kill the men, you only deal with part of the problem. That's what, that, that's what God was dealing with in that Old Testament stories. You don't kill the women or the children. There's a possibility 
of that turning around. There's a story where one of the kings or one of the didn't kill everyone that God told them to, and it became a problem. Right? That's why God did what he did in the Old Testament. But understand, discerning of spirits now in 2022 is that we are to look at these things and understand if somebody says something and says, oh, by a certain date, such and such is going to happen. Pay attention to that. Or if somebody says, well, and this has been years and years and years since my mom was a kid, the world's going to end on such and such day. How many times in my life has that happened? See, 2012 was going to end, you know, and, and all these dates. We're still here. What's it say about that? What does it say in the scripture? No man knows the day or the hour. No man knows the day or the hour. So is that a false prophecy? Sure is. Discerning of spirits. How do you discern spirits? You get into the scripture and you look at it. You become a Berean. You study the scripture to see if these things are so. That's discerning of spirits. And he goes on and he says this. <clears throat> and to another various kinds of tongues and to another interpretation of tongues. Now let's go back to the book of Acts where Paul lays out how this is supposed to work. You have a group full of people in your church, 2022, Pentecostal service, Pentecostal church, the spirit moves. And somebody stands up and gives the word from God in tongues. And there's an interpretation. And it lines up with whatever is going on that day. Then somebody else does it. And there's an interpretation. And it lines up. And then it's done. That's in order. That's what Paul's talking about. But then there's three of each that's still in order. If there's four, it's not in order. If there is an, interp if there is an interpretation, but no tongues, and the interpretation does not line up or does not jive in our spirit with what's going on in the, in the fellowship of the believers... That's not of God either. If there is tongues and no interpretation, that is not of God. Paul lined it out. And we have to listen to that. So many people, you know why, you know why there's so many tongues and interpretations sometimes in, in churches? You know, like four or five of them, or you know, I I think I in that in that one church, I think I remember somebody said, well, that was some of that was prophecy, some of that was word of knowledge, some of that was pro, um, word of wisdom, some of that was tongues interpretation. Well, three or three or more, or three four or more is too much of anything, because you know why Paul said that is because they'll they'll look at us like we're mad, like we're crazy. I can remember the first time I went into a Pentecostal church. I thought I, I thought I walked into the twilight zone, I swear to goodness. The gentleman that I did a funeral for his wife, 
Well, Pastor Steffi's wife come out and said, hey, Josh, you want a robe? Like, Why do I want a robe? Because they were doing um, Palm Sunday service. They would take all the chairs out and put tables around and we'd sit on the floor and, and do like reenact the Last Supper. So she's like, you want a robe? I'm like, why would I want a robe? No, I don't want a robe. And then Mel comes out wearing a robe, wearing short pants under a robe. And he's got the, you remember the, the garter belts for the socks? He was wearing garter belts for his socks. You could see them sticking out under the robe. And I'm like, what? And then I walked into the sanctuary. No chairs except for along the back wall and tables. No lights, all candles. And I'm like, what in the world did I just walk into? Where am I at? And if it wasn't for somebody that I knew that said, Josh, listen, this is weird. I know it's weird. It looks weird, but it's not. It's a regular service every other week. This is just a special service. I'm like, okay. So I kept going. But can you imagine if somebody walked into a service that's a Pentecostal service and everyone's going crazy? Speaking in tongues left and right, nobody interpreting, everyone talking. What does that do for the church? Doesn't do anything. People go running that way. You know what I mean? There's no order. Those four doors, you remember those old uh, cartoons where you'd, you'd see people running so fast they'd see an imprint in a wood door? That's what that door would look like. Right? All you'd see is an imprint of the door. They'd be running. That's what it felt like the first time I was in a Pentecostal church. But I'll tell you what, once it was done, and, and that was not done at all by any, any means unbiblical. It was just something I wasn't used to. I can remember times when things were done unbiblical and the pastor would stand up and say, you're out of line, sit down. He would say that. He wouldn't let it go. If there was four interpretations or four things, you're out of line, sit down. Save it for next time or whatever. Just sit down. He, he policed it. He policed it, right? Sometimes that don't happen. And what happens? People think we're nuts if we don't. That's why Peter, in the book of Acts, said, we're not drunk, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Because remember in the book of Acts, we were speaking in tongues, and they thought they were drunk, and they're mad because they were speaking like they were crazy. They said, we're not drunk, it's only 9 in the morning. Or the third hour of the day, nine in the morning. That's what happens when we don't understand the spiritual gifts. That doesn't edify the community. It doesn't edify the people in the church. It only edifies the person doing it. There was one time, that time I thought we shouldn't be in the church because of the way things were going. The pastor didn't even get to preach that day. Now, see, that's not supposed to happen either. The word is preached and signs and, wonders, signs and wonders follow. That's what the Bible says. But the signs and wonders have gotten to the place where the preaching of the word wasn't even there. So I was like, well, that's not appropriate because this is what the Bible says. You see what happens 
when we don't understand the proper use of the spiritual gifts? This kind of stuff happens. And he says, but that one and very same Spirit works all these, dividing to each one individually as he will. So that means that I cannot say, I have the gift of healing, me. And I cannot say, Wayne has the gift of tongues. And I cannot say, Brenda has the gift of interpretation. I cannot say those things. You know why? Because he gives them as he wills. I got, I, I got asked the question, trick question. You know what the best spiritual gift is? And I got to looking at all those. I'm like, well, uh, and you know what the answer is? The one that's needed the most in the moment. That's the answer. So if somebody needs a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, and God gives you that in the moment, that's the best spiritual gift. Or any of these other ones, if that's needed in the moment and God gives it to you, that's the best one. That's the best one. I know when it comes to spiritual gifts, and I'm a very big stickler of people understanding how the church is supposed to operate in a service setting. Because I got saved in Pentecostal church and therefore I, we studied how these things work. And it's important to understand how the things work. Or people will say just like they did about Peter and the other and 120, y'all are nuts, y'all are drunk. We're not drunk, we're not nuts if we do it correctly. So important. People that say, well, he's a faith healer. He speaks into your life with, you know, his gift is knowledge and prophecy. That's why I don't like the prophet, you know, prophet so-and-so, prophet so-and-so. God can use them, sure, but there's some things you've got to look at. Did it come to pass? And is it really needed for that moment? Sometimes it's not either one. So then you look at why are they doing it? Why are they doing those things? Well, <clears throat> TV ministries need money to operate, right? They have overhead, they have expenses, they need money to operate. And right now in our state of our nation, people feel they need a savior. But they're looking to the wrong one. Amen? They're looking to someone who is tangible. They're not looking to Jesus to be the savior. They're looking to a man, not looking to God. Amen? Some might argue, well, that man is sent by God. Well, okay, maybe so. But we're to look to God, not to man. I hope all this helps you to understand a little bit of the spiritual gifts. We've never exercised the spiritual gifts in this place, but 
if you're in a, in, a, in a situation where you're in a place where that's happening, it's important to know how it's supposed to work so you can know whether you're supposed to stay or run for the hills, okay? I'm being serious. I'm being serious. So many people were led astray because of things they didn't understand. If you look at things like the Waco, Texas thing years ago, remember that? Do you know there were Pentecostal believers in that cult? Heaven's Gate cult, same thing. Assembly of God believers who were supposed to understand spiritual gifts died because they thought a mothership was going to come get them. Because they didn't understand the scripture. So I want us to understand the scripture and understand the purposes of spiritual gifts and how they're supposed to work. That way you know whether this is not true or if it is true, should I stay or should I run? You need to know. You need to know the difference. Amen? You need to know. So what I want you to do this week, <clears throat> here's what I want you to do. I want you to study the Word. Not necessarily spiritual gifts, but just get into the Word with God and just... Have, ask God to show you Him through His Word. Amen? We need to see God. We need to see Him in a real way. And I think it's important to understand the spiritual gifts, to understand the Scripture, and how it all ties together. And the reason why we're doing book by book by book is because people take things out of each book and they put them on this thing. Take it out of context and try to make it fit into a topical sermon. When you look at something like this, you realize that Paul wrote 1 Corinthians as a rebuke, not as, a, not as an uplifting thing. He was dealing with things that were going wrong. Right? So if you, if you, if you look at the books as whole books, you can understand that. You can, you can get that. So the reason he wrote about spiritual gifts is because they were doing it wrong. That's why these were there. They were doing it wrong. He was telling them how they're supposed to be doing it. So we need to understand that. Amen? So that's what I want you to do. Go before God in your word, in your Bibles. Ask God to touch your life. Ask God to reveal himself through your word, through his word, in your times of prayer and reading the word. Amen? Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Help us, Lord, to continually look to you. Father, help us to understand it. Help us to delve into our own spirit to see where we are. Help us to know how to discern spirits. Help us to know how to, to know what the scripture says about certain things. Lord, touch us and bless us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today. 